1: hey welcome to the michelle mission two men one podcast every black film ever made my name is len aka the bat triple and as always i'm joined by my partner hey this is Vince williams tonight ladies and gentlemen we are welcoming you into the merry month of august is is august considered merry i don't know i don't think so but nevertheless i mean it, feel, it feels a little merry it feels a little merry I don't know. I mean, it's still summer. Summer. Summer doesn't equate to Mary. Mary is like, I mean, I, wintry. I mean, for me, well, Mary because it's wrapping up. I'm I'm kind of finished with summer. Really? I am. I'm ready for fall. Wendy was actually teasing me last week about this. Like I always, I, I'm, yeah, I'm kind of finished with summer. Uh, why are you looking forward to fall? Because you like the the, the wear sweaters, I, and I like the weather, and I like just just all of it. And and then you know, quite honestly, I'm looking forward to getting back to a, a sense of normalcy oh because we're back on campus and the kids will be back in school and so all right well so, so August is married for me because it means we're in the final lap well congratulations nevertheless ladies and gentlemen we are here in this month of August bringing you more fantastic black films that we are reviewing and tonight Vince has made his selection for the mission as we review penitentiary yes from 1979 1979 released in 1980 no I think it was released it was in actually released. I know a lot of people didn't see it until 80 but I guess we well you know why because, because it had that limited <laughs> yeah limited run and, and then and, it yeah. you know because I know I probably didn't see it till 1980 oh of course not till it hit the like yeah. you know the neighborhood right right theaters but and and even then I wasn't supposed to see it <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> Somehow, I mean, I saw it. I think a lot of people saw (laughs) penitentiary before they were supposed to be,
0: but and it has burned an image in my head. Argue
1: that's part of it, but we will get to that. We We will definitely get to that. Um, As we are streaming live on Facebook as well as on YouTube. Shout out to each and every one of you in the in the chat who is joining us this evening. Deborah Battle, Robert Monroe Jr., Sophia knows. Miss Makiba. Oh, she is turned up early. How are you doing, dear? Uh as well as Aaron Fry and 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 everyone out there. Good evening. Good evening, folks. Good to good to have you. Good to see you. Yes, it is. Hey, Vincent. Guess yes, sir. what, my friend? Yes. We have Listener Mail. All right. Missives from the missionaries. Missives from the miss. I like that, Vincent. Uh, write that down. I will. Alright. I will remember that. Now let's go to our emails and start with this is from K-A-R-U-K-E-R-A-M-E-N-T You spelled that way too fast for me. To, so now you just look at that. Karu Karamint. Karu Karamint. Karu Kiramint. Karu Karu I like that. Hello, Lynn and Vince. (laughs) This is Patra M. from Paris. Hey, it's Patra! I know that. I just wanted to drop you a quick note because I watched the Miss Juneteenth episode live on YouTube. Woohoo! Lynn couldn't pronounce the name, but it's okay. Smile. (laughs) I truly enjoyed the episode. I'm a big fan of Nicole Bahari. It's so nice to hear discussions about fiction depicting small-time Black ordinary people. That's why I hope the audio drama Bronzeville will come to our screen soon. In this interview and there's a link to an interview Lorenz Tate confirmed that the TV series adaptation contract was signed. Is there any black TV show with this slice of life format set in the same time period before the 50s that you would recommend? Thank you always for delightful and insightful discussions. Peace. Patra M. Oh, well thank you Petra. Who so, who I actually see is in the chat uh, already under the Carol Carament podcast. Okay, all right. right. So, um so what do you think Lynn any any black television shows set during the 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 40s or 50s that you would recommend that you know of? Any black TV show? I don't know if there are any black TV shows yeah. set during that yeah. time. Um except I mean, well, it's no longer with us. Lovecraft Country was set in the like 50s. we have that beautiful one season of Lovecraft Country. This wasn't a black series, and it doesn't get black until its final season. But the Man in the High Castle on Amazon, I never watched that. So was that finished? It's finished. It's finished. I okay. think it was three seasons. Okay, so yeah, maybe yeah, four, but three seasons, and they really don't get into like the the plight of black people right in america until the very final season would you recommend that show i would it's a slow burn okay for those who don't know the the man in the man in the high castle based on i believe it's a just a short story by philip dick philip yeah, k dick yeah philip k dick um just proposes what if the germans and the japan had won right world war 2 uh and then drama ensues from there um, but it is definitely science fiction mm-hmm. so knowing knowing that going in it's a slow burn. it's beautiful to watch. Mm-hmm. it is a gorgeous show uh and it does mess with you because there are people who are enemies who who are villains mm-hmm. but you kind of find yourself rooting for it's it's the best type of character development, you know, but I don't know it. I don't know if it's, uh, for some people it's a hard leap, especially if, because it is a slower burn. Sure. But I enjoyed it. Okay. I didn't enjoy All it. Right. I can't think of any others. I can't think of any shows set in that time. Can you? I, I have three. Okay. And, and I'll start with, with the science fiction angle. There There's a British show that had two seasons called Time Wasters. Okay. About three black people who travel through time modern times and first they travel to the 1920s Mm. and then they travel to the 1950s i believe time wasters was it a comedy it's a comedy it's british so 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 they travel so so they travel to 1920s and 1950s london okay and it is hilarious is it old it came out like two or three years ago. Okay, I'm about to say, it couldn't be that old. Yeah, it came out a couple of years ago. Um, I think it it ended up on one of these these stations here, like IMDB Television. Or, like okay. It was on some, and, and it got a little bit of press because it came out over here. Okay. Time wasters. Time wasters. And I like that a lot. All right. I to, that I'm, I'm going to have to look that up. Right. That sounds interesting. The other thing, there was a very short-lived series. Mm-hmm. that spun out of the women of brewster place hmm. which was a television film based on gloria Naylor's novel the right. Women of brewster place and it was called brewster place yeah i remember that series. and a lot of the the actresses from the women of brewster place came back and i like that a lot too but was that black it was 100 black was it it was 100 black Okay. I don't yeah. Okay. I remember the show. I just can't remember the images. Okay. Yes. All right. So, who was, who was like, who, wasn't there a name? Oh, my goodness. Paula Paula Kelly was in it. Lynette McKee was in it. Okay. All um, right. Right. I know Robin Givens was in the, the, the movie, the television movie. I think she may have been in the series for a second. Okay. All right. Uh, Jack A. Oh. Was in it. Like and it was neat. Like I said, one season in and out, but that that that's floating around. Okay, all right. And I didn't know that that was the time that it was set. All right, cool. And then this isn't out yet, but I am keeping my eye on this Wonder Years reboot, which might be the sixties. That might be yeah, but the th- that's the sixties. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I I've seen the the trailer for that, but that's right. going to be set in the sixties. Right. Whereas the original Wonder Years was set in the late fifties no 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 it was in the sixties it was set in the sixties yeah. yeah. as well yeah. right right right, so. right right okay all right well that's uh that's good right, that's a good start I I I would would have come up with any of them yeah, so there that was you go. Dope. Well there you go Patra and Patra let us know in the chat that she is taking notes. Yes thank you Patra thank you for the email appreciate that we also got an email Vince from our good friend Maurice Poplar. What's up Maurice? Yo mission leaders Hey, Vincent and Len, been loving the show, been too hustling to even email. Regarding Annie, okay, you all talked about the 80s Annie movie and the stage play, but no one mentioned Oliver Twist, Charles Mm. Dickens. It's just very interesting how that story figures into the quote-unquote ragged dick mythology of Mm. America, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Oliva, with an exclamation point, has some tunes, though. (laughs) Ha ha ha. And repping for Juneteenth, Miss Juneteenth was a great flick. Thank you, Black Star Film Fest, for supporting the filmmakers. It's now part of my white people homework when they start asking uninformed questions. Go watch (laughs) Miss Juneteenth. Yes. That's a good one. Uh, It's funny how America has different trends. The West Coast has so many Black people of Texan descent. I grew up going to Juneteenth celebrations. I found myself in Taipei, Taiwan many years ago in late May and stumbled upon five other Black Americans. It was uh, moved and second that we have a Juneteenth celebration right then and there, because when six or more are gathered in his name, well, you know, the routine, (laughs) keep doing what you do, Mo Pop. all right right. yeah oliver did you well you don't really do musicals no but i know oliver from my watching it in my youth right right so i remember oliver and you know um you like it you're a fan you you, any any i don't know like i said i know you don't do music i couldn't watch it again but the the songs because i saw them as a youngster right are burned in my memory yeah you know like what's this you know Oh, can I, uh, food glorious! Yes, food, food. glorious. You, know, food. you got to pick a pocket or two, yeah. Because you know, I'm a fagin, artful dodger, dude. Yeah, yeah. But I so th- that's really my my thing with Oliver. I think I may have seen. I probably saw like the animated. I think Disney did uh, uh, Oliver with I believe cats. I, I said it's Oliver and Company. Yes, the Disney adaptation <laughs> that had cats. It's, I can find a way to channel. <laughs> this nonsense it's it's just sad that I knew immediately what you were talking about I guess that's why we do a podcast together that's that's just that's just terrible oh well clearly you mean Oliver and Company (laughs) one of the Disney cartoons that failed miserably but I remember it very fondly. <laughs> See, we need to go on a $20,000 pyramid. <laughs> no one's going to ask anything that I know. Cats. Oliver and Company. That would be Oliver and Company.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: we have a group chat that goes on through the Michelle Mission, ladies and gentlemen, between myself and Vince and uh, Toya Haints, our social media director. Yes. Shout out to Toya. Shout out to Toya. And she hit us up about a post on social media that she noticed today. And it got us, all of a sudden, our our text chain was popping. <laughs> it, quite to my surprise, because I was busy on a, on I was a about to say I was trying to watch Penitentiary. I was on a Zoom call <laughs> And all of a sudden, I, my, I was just dinging left and right over, uh, over uh. on the side. And the question was that she posed to us, and that was posed on the, on social media, was, what celebrity do you think is good at spades? Yes, the card game spades. The card game spades. Now, to be fair, and to uh, give props where props to do, this was started by... Donovan X who asked on um, Instagram I believe to name a celebrity who you think is good at spades and then it was picked up by Kev on stage on Instagram and then it found its way over into our hearts Mm -hmm. and somebody repped by saying that the actor Keith David (laughs) (laughs) Keith David ain't went bored since 98 which which is a, a spade's term. Now, first of all... Oh, for God's sake. Well, first of yes, all, yes, Lynn, that's a spade. <laughs> I believe that refers to one of the rules of the card game spades. <laughs> spades. That's a spade's term. In the unofficial spade's handbook. <laughs> right. <laughs> going boy I, I don't even know what going I, I, is. I, you know I love this line of conversation because you're the sports guy and this is the one sort of sporting sort of thing that I know about and you don't <laughs> I know very little yes. about space so board right is the lowest amount that you can bid right okay Wh- which is four books oh four is the lowest four okay you can't go lower than four okay all right. Which is which is saying that you believe that, that you based can, on your hand you can win four. N- or or not. Oh. You have to bid four. Often sometimes you don't have four. Oh, sometimes you don't have four. Right. But I but but what you're bidding is how many hands you think you can win. Right, right. And board is the lowest you can go. Okay. Which is four books. Well, why can't you just why can't you just be honest and say that you can't win any? Well, because a lot of it is is it's about out the, the it, other or it's, you never know how the cards are going to play. Like like it's a, it's a lot that goes into it, and oftentimes when you say we're going bored, mm-hmm. the other people the, the other team doesn't know how to play their hand, mm. or you have an overly cautious partner who didn't count a book <laughs> or two. <laughs> you know what? You got for a quick second. Mm-hmm. There was some bass in your voice, right? Well, there. Well, well, well. You know, can I, can I just tell you what's actually happening? You know what's actually happening. You ain't had to call me out, but quietly, you're sitting directly across from me, which is which would mean like you were my partner, and you saying that just now, like I reverted to. Oh, oh, this n-word doesn't know how to play. Except I didn't think inward, <laughs> So, I was trying to get you ready. Because in about 30 seconds, somebody's gonna ask you to cut. And then they're gonna start dealing cards. And now we're in it. <laughs> I heard it. <laughs> I heard it. I was like... <laughs> me dispense with this question <laughs> it's about to jump the tank we're just talking about the game we're just, we just <laughs> we're just talking we about the game look, look. <laughs> it's, it, it's serious business oh god mm. the wikipedia definition of spades why are you looking up wikipedia <laughs> what is wrong with you wait a minute wait a minute cause I was curious one I was curious whether I would be there and I, and I wanted to know whether or not you you think this is an apt description of the oh game. Okay, God. go ahead. Spades is yes. a trick taking card. See right di- there, somebody white wrote it, because white people call them tricks, black people call them books. I didn't think white people even played spades. No, I did. I knew that because I've heard them use that term. Okay. <laughs> Spades is a trick taking card game devised in the United States in the 1930s. Okay. It can be played as either a partnership or solo cutthroat game. Okay. The object is to take the number of tricks, also known as books, mm-hmm. that were bid before play of hand began. Spades is a descendant of the Whist family yes. of card games, yes. which also includes Bridge, Hearts, and Oh Hell. Its major difference as compared to other Whist variants is that instead of Trump being decided by the highest bidder right. or at random. That's right. The spade suit always trumps. That's right. Hence the name. Which is why I was going to dispute that Keith David thing quietly. Oh, really? I think Keith David is too old. Keith David plays bid wiss. Okay. Yeah. Well, well we... nah, Keith David is a wiss player because he an old Negro. He's, I mean, how old is Keith David? Keith David is, what, like 70? Yeah, he's probably about 70. Yeah, old black people don't really mess with spades. Well, why do you think that? Because they play Bitwiss. Well, they said it was devised in the 30s. Yeah, I know that, but they like, they, because it's boring to them. Like, we gotta talk about it earlier. Oh, early. that's right. You're right. right, right, you right Bitwiss is like, right. it's like, like, when it, like grad school. Right, like, or, or like, you know, I called out my mother-in-law who plays p Right, right. Like, you know, she just is disrespectful when she plays spades. Like, she's you know, making macaroni and cheese and balancing her checkbook because this only takes a fraction of my brain power. Okay. To, so, I think it is a, it's, it's a pocket generational lead mm. of Spade's player because as you get older, they start playing whist, and as it says, whist is a whole different deal because then you get to call Trump's and and, and then you get in the P-Knuckle and I know it's something called a kitty involved and and it's like Spock playing 3D chess with three dimensional, and it's like them four boards. Remember, <laughs> remember how they show Spock playing chess? Yes. And yes. he's like, I'm not really sure even how this works. That's how I feel when I see old black people playing like P-Knuckle and sometimes playing Bidwis. <laughs> okay. Um, Farrell Blackwell says that he was about to say, Keith David, the dude is way too good at balancing a cigarette on the tip of his lip. <laughs> <laughs> Miss McKeever says that Delroy Lindo spanks all the butts in spades. Yeah, 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 yeah. See, Delroy Lindo, he might, I mean, hes I think he's younger. Right, than, right, right. Maybe not that much younger right. than uh, Keith David. Right. Um, Deborah Battle says Jennifer Lewis. Yeah. See, she looks like a pinochle See, player to the me. The problem with Jen- Jennifer Lewis probably plays everything. Yeah. Jennifer Lewis does everything well. Right. Well, and also she's very kind of social mm-hmm. and and you know cause it's, it's like there's the shit talking involved mm-hmm. so Jennifer Lewis plays Spades and, and like spanks you and then talks crazy to you alright um, George Kimono is, is showing love for Bernie Mac says that Bernie Mac would have been his pick yeah uh, Miss McKeeba is also th- showing love to Clifton Powell in and out of character as Pinky um, yeah Cl- Clifton Powell's a good that's a good choice that's a good choice, too. Bree 517 what's up? Samuel L. Jackson will win his books no matter what. Yeah, yeah. I see that. And uh, Janine says that Don Cheadle, she, she believes that Don Cheadle plays Spades. Don Cheadle probably plays Spades. He looks like a Spades player. Yeah. From my house, my house is saying Denzel Washington, Makai Pfeiffer. Makai Pfeiffer probably can play some Spades. Makai Pfeiffer, Maka Pfeiffer yes. probably can play yeah Gabrielle union Gabrielle Union probably can play spades yeah I can see her, mm-hmm. I can see her on a low like whipping some ass right. and the whole cast of a different world not the whole cast who do you think on who who do you think is going to renig on a on a different world, renig is another term from spades. I do know that. I've okay. seen that. I've All watched right. spades games. You've you seen it's, it's like not National Geographic. No, no, no I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't like from the underbrush. The migration of the <laughs> African hippo. I think they bid ten. And after the commercial, African Americans engaging in spades. <laughs> you know what. You saw a documentary about spades, no? But that's going that's going to be a that's going to be a sketch <laughs> right. uh-huh. on on um, on the show. Who, who soon. do you think on a, who are you about to disrespect on a different world? And say they come play spades. I have a funny feeling that I have a funny feeling that uh, Freddie, <sighs> how you going to disrespect Chris Summer? I don't just See, see, for some reason, I don't think Kreese Summer plays spades. I don't see her playing spades. I I would happily Mm -hmm. admit that I'm wrong if I am wrong. I just don't see her playing spades. Here's how Kreese Summer... I see Dawn Lewis playing spades. mm -hmm. Here's how Kreese Summer is going to kill you, though. Because she probably learned it later. Okay. But then she jumped right in. Maybe with full gusto. You think so? So that by the third or fourth season, mm-hmm. like she came in the second season. By the end of the third season, she was deadly. You think Lisa Bonet plays space? That's a good question. Because I don't Bonet, see, I don't see her and, playing space. She just strikes me. She don't care. Like, yeah. n- like unless she, if she didn't come liking it, I don't think she. Would she didn't enough. pick it up. No, because she no. don't care. No, no. like no. I'm, I'm just doing Lisa Bonet stuff. No, and, and I, I'll tell you another. I'll tell you another. Another cast member of a different world who you think didn't play space. Didn't play spades? Who knew this is where we were going? Marissa <laughs> Tomei. <laughs> Marissa Tomei. <laughs> she would have been up for it though if someone would teach her. Because see, that's the other thing that I feel sorry for people who don't play spades. No one actually teach like like they. It's like that very small oh, window. Is that window where you can where learn you it. gotta learn? Yeah, and like, if you don't learn it, you can't. Like, we, we saw it in real time when you said I had the bass in my voice. Yes. And because and I was, you know, again, this N-word don't know how to play, but I didn't think N-word. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing was, somebody get him off my table. Right, exactly. Um... <laughs> and Patra actually even said Marissa Tomei was in a different world would, would she know how to play space no she wouldn't <laughs> however Miss McKeeva says that Kree Summer is going to whoop you in space while doing voices mm-hmm. <laughs> very true um, and Janine says that all of Wu-Tang oh yeah oh yeah yeah absolutely all. well of you know what someone was that I, I asked a couple of people this question and um, Summer Summer Willow mm-hmm she said that she thought that there's tons of hip hop crews well spades. I, I was thinking i was thinking of i was thinking the roots probably know how to play mm-hmm. like i think any group mm-hmm. that traveled together probably would would learn that so. right cuz you you just need in well, for not tribe i bet tribe played spades. Well, i don't think they got it wrong I think I think no, when no, they, I, no. think, I mean Earl, when they were still, you know, boys. Okay, I mean they were boys at some point. Yeah, but they but they were all into different things. I think that's it. That's, it, that's it, It's nothing against them. But it when was they were boys, native tongues, dudes. Okay, maybe so. Maybe with the Jungle right, Brothers, right, and, like, yeah, there was okay, a native tongues, okay, Spade okay, and game, and there was a hierarchy. Mm-hmm. Like like you know, Chi Ali wouldn't <laughs> partner up with Drez from Black Sheep. Cause he always lose count of the card, like he always forget what got played. <laughs> uh, like, why would you throw that king out? We haven't seen the ace. Very, t- yeah. Y'all get y'all get really temperamental about that. I episode. mean, because I mean, what that tells me is that apparently that's like that's the only club you have. So when I get control, I'm a lead with clubs, because clearly you must be cutting clubs. Because you threw out that king and the ace hadn't been played. So now I'm thinking if you have a sense that God gave a billy goat, <laughs> here we go. Here we go. Here you we must go. not have any more clubs. So now I'm going to lead with this eight <laughs> of clubs so that you can cut. And if you throw out a six of clubs, see, I don't know what, you, what you're doing over there. Yes, George come on. Vince is having flashbacks. <laughs> um, uh, Mayoria Holmes of uh, Black Star. Film Festival. I asked her. Yes. She said, she can't verify this, but she says she thinks that Jill Scott probably has oh, a Jill Scott. Scott. Oh, eight. Jill Scott can absolutely play spades. Yeah, I can see There's that. no question in my mind. I can see that most definitely. Um, and you better not sit down across from her unless you know how to play. Well, get your feelings hurt. Oh, yeah. In stereo. Farrell <laughs> um, Blackwell Says that Jodice would constantly beat boys to men in spades. I see, I don't see that. I don't know if I that's see that. true at all. I don't see that. At I all. don't know if that's true at all. <laughs> boys, to men, boys to men is low key gully. I was, about like, to- I, was <laughs> I was trying to figure out a way to say it nicely. <laughs> <laughs> boys to men is low key gully. Don't bruh. let them overalls and bow ties fool you. Mm, bruh. No, bruh. No, bro. I'm telling you. Also, you know what? Jody get to drinking when they play, and they and they off. lose and they lose track. Yes, the, the two brothers be fighting with <laughs> each other, or or want to fight. Yeah, like we just playing. Like, why are we fighting? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and Josie, <laughs> don't let the thuggishness fool I'm you. Look, man. They, could <laughs> they could not take boys to man. They could not take boys. And all the cheesesteaks you could eat. <laughs> which always confused me as a line i was like how many cheesesteaks are you eating like could you have an all you can eat cheesesteak place don't tempt them i've seen somebody sit and eat two cheesesteaks back to back that is crazy yes i was fearful for his life i almost want to film people that eat cheesesteaks and fries you know what? I stopped ordering fries with cheesesteaks because it's, it's a waste. Like, people who eat cheesesteaks and fries, I feel like they should be in, like, a 17th century freak show yeah, on the outskirts of London. Like, cheesesteaks does Come not... Come see the freak! Cheesesteaks do not need a side dish. Right. Not at all. Not at... No chips, no fries, maybe a pickle. He would say all the cheesesteaks you can eat. I was like, how many... I, I mean, don't you just eat one? Well, And then you just kind of like you've had a cheesesteak. Well, it's a trick question. He knows you can only eat one. He only he only come in with $10. He talking to people who ain't from Philly <laughs> or don't really know about cheesesteaks yeah. and all the cheesesteaks you could eat. Right. right. Yeah, yeah, so they think they're going to Wawa <laughs> and getting a cheesesteak shorty. Right. But he taking on the max. Right. Oh, my God. Where you get punked. Where you get punked. <laughs> I tried to stand up for myself one time at Max's. Really? Yeah, you want a whole one or you want a half? I was like, I want a whole I'm a man. Of course, I want a whole one. And he just put that hunk of heart attack in front of me. <laughs> yeah, dog. And I had to walk out with my dignity holding <laughs> holding an armful of cheesesteak. Hey, man. <laughs> holding a man. <laughs> now, every time, you want a whole or you. <sighs> half. I'd like half. <laughs> yeah, dog. Yeah, yeah. Mm mm you crazy <laughs> that line has always bothered me as you can tell and all the cheesesteaks you can eat what are you talking about going down the, the rabbit hole a little bit is staying on this, this spades thing so we're going to climb out of the cheesesteak rabbit yes. hole uh, Debra Battle says that the cast of *Living single oh yeah oh that's probably a good spades game I can see that are there eight of them like could you have no, two games six. at once Oh, so, right, so you got a game and then you got two people on the yeah. side talking crazy. Yeah. I'm talking about I Got Nets. Okay. Yeah. Um, That's a good, that's probably a good game. And Janine says that Mary J. Blige. Oh, of course Mary J. Blige can play. Of yeah. course Mary J. Blige can play.
0: Okay. Yeah. Right.
1: I, 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 if you say so. Mary J. Blige can do everything black. <laughs> I just assume Mary, like, Mary J. Blige can cornrow your hair. She can do graffiti. She, black. Just, just everything black. Copa era. Like. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, I wanted to ask you of our, so, of our celebrity friends, y- do you yes. think that Dorian plays Spades? Dorian Missick? I'm sure he does. You think Simone plays? Absolutely. absolutely. Omar plays? Absolutely. absolutely. Now, who's Dorian's partner? See, that's a good question. Cause spouses are funny. I know. For I know. the record, me and Wendy play together. So that's your go-to part. That is my. That is like. My, there's no best friend who no. is there in the Mm-mm. room Mm-mm. supersedes when Mm-mm. Wendy, not in spades. Okay. Yeah, not in spades. But I, it, it's that's real tricky. Yeah, that's real. That's real case by case. Yeah, yeah. Like because I know my boy Eric, his spades partner is his wife Jazz. Right. But he will play with his best friend Keith, right? But I think he, I think he prefers jazz because I think they've gotten, they've grown into a rhythm, right, right. Yeah, it's tricky. So, do you have another partner besides? I have a couple of partners. I have a couple of partners. My, 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 my traditional partner was my boy Dre, okay, who is, is like actually an economist and a mathematical genius. No, oh, wow. I was never that good. Like I could keep track of cards, mm-hmm. but I wasn't as good as like the the great players are. Gotcha. Like, like you know, I like I would know when an ace. Like I would know when the face cards are played. Like I keep track of the face cards, mm-hmm. but like people who can tell you that right. the seven of clubs got played yeah. four hands ago. Yeah, I was never that guy. Okay, okay. he was. He's good. Like, yeah, yeah, that's him. Okay. Alright. And then my, my nephew has grown into quite the player over the years. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah Michael. Michael is quite the player. But none of them supersede Wendy? Mm-mm. Not Wendy. if I had to pick. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> or or say on this recorded air. <laughs> no, um, no, no, no! Look! <laughs> um, she doesn't play Monopoly with me. She doesn't play Monopoly she, with me? Wendy, Wendy won't play Monopoly. with me. Are you always the banker? I, well, I just... I, I just like to win... Well that's the reason of why. Yeah, apparently I really like to win. Oh Mike gets a little cutthroat. Okay. How you get cutthroat on Monopoly? Oh, side deals. Oh yeah, that's true. All right. Y'all yeah, wanna <laughs> play some spades though. <laughs> <laughs> but not with you. I'll be over here <laughs> playing Nux. <laughs> <laughs> I remember my cousin tried to teach me how to play spades. And I was trying to get it, but I just couldn't, could get it. And he's, he just said, "Let's just play Nux. <laughs> and he, he, messed my knuckles up. God, he messed my knuckles up. Anyway, let's let's keep it moving. All right, it's time for us to get it. <laughs> Um, before we get into our review ladies and gentlemen I want to invite you if you're in the Philadelphia area or even if not because it's virtual as well to check out it kicks off tomorrow August 4th the Black Star Film Festival August 4th through the 8th five days of virtual and in-person events including screenings of 80 films by filmmakers from all around the world go to blackstarfest.org for more information check that out all right we are going to get into all right our review of penitentiary penitentiary we'll be back with the film review as soon as we do something funky and have steps in it uh.
0: Help with you and myself. You just fall. Been in the county jail six months.
1: You box? Not really. Why? Boxing tournament coming up. Big fun. You box? Hell no. Half day don't box. I kill. Look here, Jess. I'm telling you, I can take this sissy by myself, man. I can feel it, Jess. Ain't no bronc that can't bust. Just, I don't know. There's just something about this dude that tells me you're gonna push him. But you watch in the morning. Your brother, gonna ask for the salt and pepper. His voice gonna be up five octaves. Get in yourselves. It's count time.
0: I said move him. You
1: know, the day officer told me you gave him a little trouble already today. Watch your step, boy. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to bust you. <laughs> bust you. You're not. Hard stuff. Man, man. You and real learn how to play.
0: You got yours? This chump dies tonight. Ah! You. You set this whole thing up. And then, like the coward you are, you stood back and let your crazy fools do your dirty work. Seldom, you call the lieutenant. And you tell him if
1: he wants Rumble. We'll give him Rumble. Any more fight outside of that damn ring. And I going to forget I'm a
0: gentleman. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, Hold, Hold it! Hold it! Take five. Got a couple of things to say. The winner of each event will get to spend one night in a trailer in a yard with a woman. If you don't have a woman, we'll supply one for you. Penitentiary, a 1979 American black exploitation drama, written, produced, and directed by Jamal Fanaka, and starring Leon Isaac Kennedy. Too Sweet Gordon is arrested and sent to prison where he joins the prison's boxing team to secure an early parole and to establish his dominance over the prison's mm. toughest gang. This film was Vince's selection for tonight's stop on the show, Mr. Vince, what say you of penitentiary? I have been thinking about penitentiary Mm-hmm. Because a few weeks ago, I finished this this amazing book, L.A. Rebellion, Creating a New Black Cinema, edited by Allison Nadia Field, Jan Christopher Horak, and Jacqueline Najuma Stewart,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which is about the L.A. Rebellion. It's, it's a series. It's a book of essays written, oh, okay. written about the L.A. Rebellion, which... Were the group of black filmmakers mm-hmm. that came out of the UCLA Film School, right? In the late '60s and and all the way up into the '80s, like, yeah. Like when you when you hear people talk about the LA Rebellion, I highly recommend this book. By the way, and y'all know how I feel about free advertising. So if I'm freely advertising it, I, I believe in it. It's you know if you're interested in films and and film history, and it, it's it's a, a really really good book. Mm-hmm and the term LA rebellion is one that is kind of it's 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 a soft term it's not really a, like it's not it's a it's a hard term like like if you find someone who says we call this group of filmmakers the LA rebellion mm-hmm. you can find someone else who resists that that title okay like okay. we don't really like like it's they not don't like the, they, they don't know. really like being grouped like that be, because this group of of filmmakers besides being black and besides coming through the UCLA film school mm-hmm. a lot of them don't have a, i mean they're different filmmakers yeah cuz you got like uh Julie Dash Charles Burnett Char- Julie Dash Charles Burnett um Holly Garima, mm-hmm. and and just just i mean just with those three like like Holly Garima made made Sankofa mm-hmm. which is this beautiful but you know very challenging kind of past you know film about slavery and 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 uh, you know and, and and dealing with that and 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 charles burnett who we've talked about with to sleep with anger mm-hmm. which is a slice of life with a hint of the supernatural set in modern day los angeles right and then of course julie dash makes doors of the, of the dust, dust mm-hmm. about the turn of the century Geechee islands these people leaving the islands to the mainland coming to the mainland and then there's Jamal Fanaka,
0: mm-hmm.
1: who, even within this group of filmmakers, he's a bit of an outlier, right? Because regardless of how different those three filmmakers are that we just name check Charles Burnett, Charles Barnett, um, Holly Garima Julie Dash, and they are really the names that that you hear. Mm-hmm. All of them. Make really serious work, like these. Like these are some heavy movies that they made. Right. And the thing about Jamal Fanaka, who we've spoken about previously, with uh 1975's Welcome Home, Brother Charles, mm. he has a bit of a populist slant to the movies that he makes. And by populist, I mean this: as much as I adore Daughters of the Dust, one of my favorite films of all time, and and certainly. We we've talked about To Sleep with Anger twice mm-hmm. on this show. We love it so much. Because we had a showing of, of To Sleep with Anger, or hosted a showing rather in Bryn Mawr. Again, these are heavy, heavy movies. Like these are not movies that you just just to reference our conversation about Welcome Home, Brother Charles, like these aren't grindhouse films that you would get at a video store right. and come home and watch on Friday night. Jamal Fanaka made these movies and there's, there was always a bit of debate about him as this representative of the LA Rebellion because he did make this populist material. Mm-hmm. Although, all of them agreed that they wanted to change the image of blackness in film. They wanted to bring this new black cinema to the people. Right. Arguably, Jamal Fanaka is the one who's actually connecting with the people bringing it to the most people be because Penitentiary I believe is the most financial successful film out of the LA Rebellion you know I think it cost $600,000 to make Is his third student film he, mm-hmm. he, you know he had three student films we, we talked about Welcome Home Brother Charles there's MMA and then there's Penitentiary the other reason that Penitentiary is always on my mind is it to me this is the last black exploitation film. Like this is the end right here, between this and the last dragon. Like I was the to say, last, you made that argument. I was about to say dragon. the last dragon penitentiary are my two. This is the end of an era. Mm. Like this is it right here. Like we said, it came out in seventy nine, but a lot of people didn't see it until nineteen eighty mm-hmm. because of limited distribution, and that tension. Between it coming out of the LA Rebellion and, and Jamal Fanaka, and if I haven't said it, let's just say it, this is a smart dude. Uh-huh. Like, this is a smart guy. This isn't somebody just throwing something together. And again, this is his third student film at the UCLA Film School. And and as much as he may not, his work arguably doesn't reflect these heady themes there's stuff in here. Yeah. It, but it at the same time, yeah. it has this grindhouse appeal Definitely. to it. Definitely. So penitentiary, just the plot, as you said, Leon Isaac Kennedy plays a drifter, mm-hmm. basically, who, through a series of circumstances, finds himself in prison. Mm-hmm. And while in prison, he kind of navigates this prison system, ends up becoming a boxer. right? And then th- that's that's kind of the plot of the film. But the film very pointedly addresses this this notion of ownership of black bodies, like this this kind of notion of ownership of bodies. They're, they're act there's actually this exchange between two sweet and another um, inmate inmate Eugene, where the, he says Eugene says I'm the property of this inmate. You know there there's you know we'll talk about the sexual assault. Where he says, I'm his property, and and Two Sweet says, is that what you think you are? Is property. Mm -hmm. And this is a theme that very much runs through this film about property, and who owns people, and even the the plot point of Two Sweet securing his parole. Mm -hmm. That's not all of it. He's not really securing parole. What he is, is that the lieutenant of the prison, his brother-in-law is a fight promoter. And the terms are the 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 cousin the, the brother-in-law comes to the prison looking for fighters. Mm-hmm. And then when he sees a fighter he likes, he takes the fighter, and, and then the fighter has a word from him. So even that, yeah, there is this exchange of bodies. There's this whole detail about uh Linda the prostitute mm-hmm. and how she's also tied up in there. So there's that. Going on just as a theme, and then it's just again, it's just as kind of this. It, it it's, it's I, I use the term grindhouse, but it is there's 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 this, there's this seaminess to it. Yeah, you, you know there's this there, but there is this energy so that you understand how people connected to penitentiary, mm-hmm. so that between the themes that were very deliberately put there, like when you read interviews with Jamal Fanaka and you, you people who very much support this film, he did it deliberately which sidebar, I have to say, I was listening to our episode about Welcome Home Brother Charles, where mm-hmm. we had a version of this conversation mm-hmm. and we were right, like we're right in sync with what other critics were saying about Welcome Home Brother Charles so that by the end this combination of this this kind of dirty energy like this kind of you know it's like pulpy energy that you got with with the best of the exploitation films mm-hmm. with this very deliberate exploration of themes kind of put in there like it's it's is, there's is really a case of a spoonful of sugar makes a medicine go down gotcha i really like i hesitate to use the verb admire but I think I, like, I really admire, like, I admire what Jamal Fanaka was doing with this film. And as you said, for many of us, when we watched Penitentiary initially, you felt like you were doing something wrong. Like, you felt like you were watching this outlaw media. But all those messages are there for when you circle around. And maybe it's, it, you know, it seeped into your brain mm-hmm. while you were looking at it thinking that you were doing something kind of naughty if you will <laughs> I watched this show film uh, yesterday and it definitely took me back to seeing it in the Walton Theater in mm-hmm. Philadelphia when I wasn't supposed to and there were certain scenes there I was like oh yeah I remember that <laughs> I was 13 again um, but anyway you know what I found myself as as I watched this I went into this expecting honestly to be like just, oh man, I'm just going to have a fun just clown in this movie Mm -hmm. when I watch it again. Because I hadn't seen it since probably then, Sure, but even then I was like, you know, let's face it, it's a low budget film. Its budget is on the screen. The lowness of its budget is on the screen. Jamal Fanaka is a director who has a skill, definitely has a skill about him, and it shows there's the bare bones of a story. He just really wants to get into the prison and really pick apart that world. Mm -hmm. He really just wants to take his camera inside the prisons and show you how these black men, how they are surviving this situation. Um, From all all points where you have it's now stereotypical but in 1979 it's not necessarily as stereotypical to have the you know the uh flamboyantly gay people to have the guy who get gets uh turned out in in prison right to have the show the gangs in prison and even show the the gang of black men and show the hierarchy in amongst that gang mm-hmm. where are there are definitely some guys who are just there to be there just for camaraderie and then there is a, a leader and then there's one who's just out of his mind crazy half dead is his name um, so Jamal just really wants to get in there and as I watched it again this time I really appreciate it even though they are bare bones, I appreciated the different the different personalities that each inmate was allowed to show, mm-hmm. especially in amongst that gang. There's like a gang of about four or five guys who they each have their own lane. One is just a straight dodo, like a, 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 a nut. but even then he is just he realizes his place in the hierarchy. And he's like, hey, whatever you say, boss, whatever whatever I do. Mm-hmm. And then there's another one who kind of questioned things. He kind of like questioned it his place there, but he's there and he knows this gives him some level of security right. within the prison. So he's gonna, he's gonna watch his watch his spot. So I dug that because especially like you said, for this to be a grindhouse film, those characters don't have to be as well defined as they are. Right. You, no one's expecting that everyone's pretty much a grindhouse movie everybody's pretty much expecting low budget maybe some horror maybe some TNA and some crazy knuckle knuckle up action Mm -hmm. that's what you're going into a grindhouse movie for and that's and that is exactly what this movie is and it gives you outside of the horror it gives you all of that Mm -hmm. and more in this film right but it, but because Jamal Fanaka, as you said, is a smart guy, is a is a, and it's an educated man, and because of the people with whom, and the circle within in which he travels, he definitely wants to put, you know, small touches of themes right in this in this story. You know, you talked about the the conversation between Two Sweet and Eugene about the property, and that's a great scene. I love the story the 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 monologue between too sweet and it's not really too sweet between anyone is the monologue that two sweets trainer seldom seen mm-hmm. gives him about why the idea of this boxing tournament and the the winner gets a conjugal visit and possibly earl, early parole why that doesn't mean so much to him because he is someone who has lived. 85% of his life yeah. behind bars. Yeah, he's actually institutionalized. He recognizes that he is mm-hmm. institutionalized. He recognizes that this is the place for him. And to have someone, and usually when you see, when you have seen that play out in the films, it usually plays out after the person gets out. Mm-hmm. But to see someone say that forthrightly in the, in, uh, in the movie... I thought was very interesting and, and, and I, I I appreciated that and there's this well done moment in this film to just give voice to that because that's real. Mm-hmm. That's real talk, right? So I like that and I found myself because I'm not a Leon Isaac Kennedy fan. <laughs> I, mean, and- I think, it's, I think it's, it's probably worth noting out. This is the first moment we've mentioned it. Right. Yeah. So, and there's a reason <laughs> and it for tells that tells you everything you need to know. Right. <laughs> there's a reason for that. Yeah. Leon Isaac Kennedy is not. I mean, he's a handsome man. Give him his props. Yeah. Yeah. That's his props. Yeah. He's not. There's not any real true charisma off of yeah. him. There's no real acting skills that are shown off of him. But what I will say is that I think Jamal Fanaka knows that. Yeah, and puts him in the perfect position Mm -hmm. to just be our window into this world. He is surrounded to an actor, yes, by performances and actors Mm -hmm. that carry the scene, yes, whether it's seldom seen, whether it is um, half dead who who is played by by a character act. This is our second time seeing um, Baja Jola. Yeah. Baja Jola. Last time we talked about him was in um, Rage in Harlem. Rage in Harlem. We talked about him in a Rage in Harlem where he had a much fuller role. But, I mean, even um, Hazel Spears, Mm -hmm. who plays Linda, the couple of scenes that that they're in. Like, everyone really treats Leon Isaac Kennedy almost as a placeholder. Right. Right, and that's exactly what he is mm-hmm. in this film, and watching this again, I appreciated him for that-, mm-hmm. because he holds the place well, yes, <laughs> so, yes, so God bless him yeah and and because of that, I came away watching this film now, saying, huh, this wasn't bad. Yeah, it's it's not. I mean, it's not great. I mean, let's get, but for what it tries to be, it succeeds. Yeah, it's oh. a grindhouse film that touches on some different has little, little bits of commentary in there, mm-hmm. um, and it gets it over well. I'm like, oh, okay, I enjoyed it. I even enjoyed because it would have been so stereotypical and so easy for the warden. Mm-hmm. The the big Lieutenant Warden in the in the film. For him to be this over the top villain, right, in this movie, and don't get me wrong, he's still the white guy that's in charge of the prison, right. But you never see you, he doesn't come or at least they don't per, portray him as being like overly oppressive or anything of that man. Look again, I think. I love how matter of fact and sort of banal the evil is. Like yeah. like, he, like he tells him, you are going to get paroled mm-hmm. so that my brother-in-law can get you and you fight for him and you make sure you make him a lot of money so that I can keep him away from my wife in my house. Right, right. So this isn't a matter of I'm keeping my word because I'm a man of my word. This is you are a piece of property Mm -hmm. that has now you know I'm moving you to the and it just so happens the person that you're getting with you're in a better position than you were with me. Right. Right. I think this film has gotten a fair amount of criticism for being homophobic let's say And, and I and I did the same thing. Like, like I read about it and I went to, it and I actually thought it was fairly sophisticated the way they dealt with prison rape. Mm. They acknowledge it, mm-hmm. but there's never a moment where the prison rape isn't treated as an act of violence. That's true. And an act of of, of trying to dominate mm-hmm. one another. There's a little moment where, where Half Dead tries to 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 rape too sweet and mm-hmm. and this is the big moment where where the gang is saying you know you're going to break them. right and too sweet fights him off but then too sweet dominates him because then he goes and eats his candy bars right so that again this isn't about sex this mm-hmm. is this is about domination mm-hmm. Eugene who's a character that we've seen who has been raped yeah and now he's um property he's property. But I love the fact that the film does not portray him as someone who is now marked forever. Yes. And and he fights back and then he changes and when he, you know, spoiler, dies it's not because he has been raped and now he is somehow less of a man. Mm-hmm. Do you notice that in a film that rape is is such a huge part of of the theme that's being sort of dealt with and there are really only two female characters there's a prostitute right and then there's a female prisoner oh yeah well yes yes no yeah. women are sexually assaulted in this film no they're not which well, is always worth noting in a black exploitation film unfortunately you're right they're not sexually assaulted cuz ultimately what happens with, with the women is consensual well when that scene happens with peaches in the bathroom. Yeah. And Big Red falls out the ceiling. I know people who haven't seen it are listening to the plot points. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Big Red falls out the ceiling. Right. In Because the cause they bring female prisoners over to watch the, the boxing. boxing match. And right. then a, a, a woman goes to the bathroom and then the, one of the male prisoners sneaks into the bathroom. Well, I had snuck into the bathroom earlier. Early. Because in, in, anticipation in, in anticipation that a woman would come That in. A woman, he drops down. But he actually talks to her. Yeah, he does. He does. He doesn't like you know, assault her. Nothing happens until she says, I'm down. True. True. But there are them there are those that would say just the act of him dropping down. Look. I'm just being honest. No, 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 no. <laughs> Real. Look. It's not a story you tell your grandkids <laughs> about how pop pop and Mimaw met. But within the context of black exploitation, within the context of a script. That was written by Jamal Fanaka, who mm-hmm. could have written it any way he wanted to That's write it. That's true. That's true. I thought it was noteworthy how much consent Peaches had in her dealings with Big Red. That's true. And to be fair, one, he did wait for her to finish going to the re- restroom. Yes. And, you know, a, you know, get her herself back adjusted look, before dropping look, down. Look, look, the movie, and then they proceeded to right. have consensual sex. Look, it, it's not Eve's you. <laughs> like, let's be clear. I don't think Ava DuVernay was somewhere studying this when she was putting together the women characters <laughs> in Queen Sugar. But, again, within the context... You're gonna learn some things from Peachy. Of, <laughs> within the context of a film that we talk about. <laughs> a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down there's a wonderful moment there's a beat mm. that the film gives linda where where linda tells too short too short too sweet what happens yes what happens and there's this wonderful beat when she's by herself because the because the the lieutenant has hired her mm-hmm to be the conjugal visit, yes, basically for these men, right? Unbeknownst and, to, to, unbeknownst him to, to too sweet, uh, too sweet's history, right? Her. Where the film gives her a moment to be tired, yeah, and resigned, and and going along with the overall theme of the film, where you have these poor people with no choices whose bodies are owned by the state, mm-hmm. so that again. Yeah, we got peaches, and her shirt off. Which, as a thirteen-year-old, is what you remember. But now that you're not thirteen, there's all this that's in there. I still remember peaches. You still? I mean, of course, <laughs> look. But no, um, I I did I did appreciate that. I, honestly, I I did appreciate that. Uh, what I also thought was interesting was that the movie, at that point. Linda in telling what happened between her and Too Sweet earlier in the film, and you now get the real like they have a run right. in early in earlier in the film, but you never really see how it fully plays out, and it's only now later in the film where you see how it plays out, which is what led to Too Sweet being in prison, and you learn that it's falsely right being in prison, and while you do learn that. That just all that really does is just allow you to feel whatever heroism too sweet is supposed to have in the film Mm -hmm. allows you to feel that it is valid, right? Because it doesn't play a part in any way for the rest of the movie, it's just that now he knows. How he got here, right? You know what I mean. Like you know, that's not the reason why he gets out. You know, Linda doesn't all of a sudden turn states evidence. And no, Linda, you know, not he, at all. No, she she's mm. like, oh, just look. You know, I just wanted to get this off my chest, right? And I'm good. Yeah, you know. So, but I, I thought that was interesting as well that it that it didn't go there. But um there's a lot of a lot of small things, a lot of small details in this film that make it. Just a cut above your typical yeah. grindhouse film. Yeah, I mean, even that—that—that that, sort of the, the way the film plays with continuity,
0: mm-hmm. where it right. has
1: you know flash, not flash forwards, but but the way it, it kind of flashes ahead six months and mm-hmm. then a week, and then you get this flashback at yeah. the end. One or two directing choices, like there's this tracking shot when Eugene first comes into prison, mm-hmm. which shows you. The horror of prison from his perspective that I really liked, yeah, the sound editing in that last fight between uh Too Sweet, yeah and uh is it Jesse, Jesse, where they cut the sound mm-hmm. except of the two men actually punching each other, right so you feel these again, black bodies right assaulting one another for the pleasure of of this crowd. This this movie could have used a fight choreographer though. <laughs> wow. I mean, if, if if because they're boxing, yeah, and and uh. it, even in prison, ladies and gentlemen, even in prison, boxers box boxers box. They yeah. don't just swing wildly. They just swing. Now, I buy it with the Eugene character because he's not really a boxer and he's right. just in there, whatever, right. But this Jesse character, right. who is the, supposed to be like the big name he's here. He's the king of the prison boxers. He's the, Yes, he's, mm. the, he's the big man on campus, mm-hmm. right? He's the one that before Too Sweet got in there, that the brother-in-law is really supposed to be coming in to see. So, you would expect to see some semblance of the sweet science, as we boxing fans call it, being displayed a little bit in this movie. And, the trainer seldom seen says that too sweet is the fastest and the best boxer i have ever seen too sweet him of the slow motion low hanging right hand that he brings up from his kneecaps look man every time look i got a grant (laughs) to make this movie i have six hundred thousand dollars We're going to set up in the prison that we had set up. We took some shots, I think, from um, Welcome Home Brother Charles. I I Mm -hmm. think Jamal Fanaka said he ended up using that same space. We ran out of money. This is my favorite little anecdote I read. We ran out of money. The cast and crew were so committed they said they could finish even though I couldn't pay them anymore. But can you at least feed us? I didn't have money to feed them. Wow. The actor who played seldom scene said, well, I can... I'll figure that out. Come to find out seldom scene collected food stamps from the cast. Mm. Used those food stamps, went and bought some food, prepared the food himself, mm. brought it to the set to feed people. And that's how they finished the movie, by feeding people. We we, 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 don't, we don't have... We, we can't do a, a box of yeah. You gonna take these arms flailing and you're going to enjoy it. <laughs> it's called editing. Right. It or good. suspension of disbelief. <laughs> yeah, you had to suspend belief really a lot. Yeah. You? Leon Isaac Kennedy's boxing. I just remember all the bodies. Like, like we're joking about peaches, but but quietly, I think Jamal Fanaga does a great job showing how these prisons... Are just a, like like a factory that holds these bodies, mm. because everybody is always in a state of undress. That's yeah, that's real talk. Like that's what I remembered about penitentiary when I thought about it. because, like you, I don't think I've seen it, but I think I haven't seen it because it made me uncomfortable. I remember all the sweat. Yeah, I was everybody's real shiny, everybody's so shiny. Yeah, and 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 I remembered. I definitely remember the fight between Half Dead and Too Sweet mm-hmm. because, really, to me, as, even though there is a climactic fight, that's the big right, fight. Right, that's for the me. fight. Right, and and one because it took them three days to film that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Which I can believe it because yeah. they they get it in. Yeah. Um, I remember that. I remembered, you know, seldom I didn't remember his big speech, but I remember him. You know, the the trainer. Right. Um. It's cool. It's a cool. Movie. And then. And and I meant to look this up real quick. I saw a couple of of comments where people talk about it where they um people remarked on how similar seldom Swain so, seldom seen. scenes bit is to Shawshank. Oh, oh who like red? Yeah, not, oh, red, not red, um the 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 boy the guy that leaves. Yeah. And who basically says James is that James Whitmer? It's, yeah, I think that's James Whitmore, um, in that scene, the actor. And what I was trying to figure out, yeah, but he he definitely is institutionalized, but he leaves. He leaves, but he commits suicide because he can't handle it. Yeah, and and seldom seen is is thinking the same thing, and people don't know Shawshank Redemption is. It's based on a Stephen King short story called Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption. Right. Which, and I'm doing off the top of my head because I'm just trying to get to it, was in a collection of short stories. So, so Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption was published in 1982. So it's after this. After this, right. It was in different seasons. Yeah. His collection. So I have to wonder... Did Stephen King see this? Oh so that this may be because it really is it is actually striking how much seldom scenes whole deal talking about being institutionalized and how I'm important on the inside and there's nothing for me out here and what like he like he like you said he has this extraordinary speech mm-hmm. about how much he's missed while he's been inside and being institutionalized. Mm -hmm. And it really is almost beat for beat how that character in Shawshank Redemption and I remember that being a detail in the short story. Yeah, but in his defense, in Stephen King's defense, and he could have seen this. He could have. but And I wanted to look it up. He could have also seen this same year, Escape from Alcatraz. Okay, and there are there is a character in there that deals with being institutionalized, institutionalized too. as well. Like I feel like it's a right around that time in the seventies where the idea of prisoners being institutionalized is given like that language. Right, and I was wondering, like when you said we, it's 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 a cliche now about you know prisoners getting turned out and this that and the other. And I was thinking about depictions of prison culture. Yeah, before nineteen seventy nine, and black exploitation wise, I can't like just black films or black culture. I can't think of anything. Oh, well, well, I mean, I think there are a couple because I think a couple of those like Pam Greer prison movies are predate seventy nine. Yeah, I don't think they count. But I don't think well, I mean, I'm talking about prison culture. Right, right, right. I the Not only, Pam Greer in the shower. I think. um... Wow, the only one that keeps coming to my, popping to my head is Birdman from Alcatraz. Um which again, that's not and, and it certainly doesn't touch on any of these yeah, themes yeah. in there. So yeah, I mean yeah. so so in his defense, he could have he yeah. could have seen either of these films. Right. And Jamal Fanaka says said in an interview he thinks that HBO stole Oz from him. Like he said Oz is just penitentiary the series. He said Oz was penitentiary the series, basically. See, I can't go with him on that. Because by the time of Oz, i there's been, just, been more I'm than I'm a few. With DeMans- and then he points out, as we'll talk about in two weeks, Ernie Hudson actually plays Half Dead, half dead in Penitentiary 2. Right. So, Would you recommend that people see Penitentiary? That is a good question. That is a very good question mm-hmm. I've been thinking about all day. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with yes. Hmm. But with this proviso? I don't even know if I have a proviso. I think Jamal Fanaka is a very important filmmaker. Mm-hmm. I think this is his best film of the three. Five if you include Penitentiary 2 and Penitentiary 3, but I'm thinking of the three between Welcome Home Brother Charles, Emma May, and this. But it is, I mean, it's it is it's a pulpy grindhouse film. Like Like, I think I think if you are listening to us and you are expecting a film with the pedigree of someone who rolled with Julie Dash mm. and Charles Burnett, don't expect that. Right. I, I, I actually would group him more with an Oscar Micheaux or a Tyler Perry. Like, I think he very much has in the foreground of his thoughts, I'm making this for the people. mm I'm making this for the people. So I would. But again, this ain't saying Kofa. Gotcha. And gotcha. you? Um, real quick before we go, Ms. Uh, Miss uh, was uh talking about when Half Dead oiled himself up. I thought, Lord, the homoeroticism of this film. That's yeah. it, and that's the, very much on on screen. Well, yeah. that whole the whole interplay between half dead yeah and and um, too sweet is it's is thick I oh, mean yeah. it is it is literally dripping off their bodies. yeah well look again they're always in a state of undress laying in a bed three feet away from each other yeah yeah Um, I don't think I can recommend this film interesting and I say that because when I recommend a film is is a film that I feel like you know Either one, you're going to watch because you're going to enjoy it. Okay. Or you're going to watch, and you're going to get something from the experience of watching it. Okay. So it may not necessarily be a great film, but it's still going to like give you a little something. Okay. Right. And while I think you, I, there are things to be gleaned from this movie that I was surprised about. I think those are things that you can find in other movies. I don't think it's worth it to sit through these films to get to those things. Case in point, if we're talking about because when I'm rec- recommending a film, I'm also recommending it not just against as a black film. I'm recommending it against all films. Sure. So when you talk about the the scene with seldom seen and his and his monologue, it's a great monologue. Mm-hmm. It is great, but I'll take the way. That whole idea of being institutionalized plays out in Shawshank Redemption. Over this, anytime. time, okay. That's one of my favorite parts about Shawshank. Of course. Redemption. So, so there's that. Uh, the homoeroticism, if that's your bag, or if not, or your, or, or if you want to get into prison culture, watch the watch, Oz. Mm-hmm. it'll give you a whole lot of what is in this in this movie I don't think they ripped him off in any way but there's a lot of it that is in Oz and better done. and then you don't have to deal with Leon Isaac <laughs> <laughs> he is very much one of those 70s dudes that like when you look him up and like, his, like he was a disc jockey mm. and like a a party promoter.
0: Mm-hmm. Like he was
1: one of them LA dudes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what was. He's just pretty. What was your skill exactly? He was pretty. He was just pretty. He, yeah. was just pretty. he was just and pretty. And he was a pretty man. Look. You know, he got Jane Kennedy. Look, you want. 100- you don't don't just anybody Look, get Jane Kennedy. You 100% Kennedy. understand Jamal Fanaka's instinct. Yeah. To put him in the middle of it. Right. But as you said, and, and this is actually part of my argument to see it. This is not our first or fifth film where we've talked about they put this pretty pony Mm. in the middle of a movie, (laughs) but then the whole movie collapses. I think it is a testament to Jamal Fanaka's pen and his eye and camera skills Mm -hmm. that he's able to form this narrative Around, around this, like, did you you notice? Like, he doesn't talk for like ten minutes. No, no. Like, he kind of moves around, and then and then he like like, and then he doesn't really say anything until that scene yeah where Half Dead jumps on him. If you notice, and then he says, "You know, I am too sweet." He doesn't say a lot in this. Doesn't say a lot in the film. I think there'd be you know. Doesn't say a lot in the film. I have a friend. Who made this observation that has cracked me up for over 20 years now? How Keanu Reeves doesn't actually talk that much in the first matrix. What no, is doesn't. the Matrix? No. And then like other people, like there people have whole little monologues, and it's just, whoa. And then people have whole monologue. <laughs> like he like he really doesn't talk that much in the first matrix. That's true. And it's like, oh, I see what you did there with Chinsky brothers. That's true. That's true. Um, But but. Wachowski brothers. On the other side of the coin, I always think about an actor like Steve McQueen, who would famously take scripts, yes, and rip out pages of dialogue, absolutely, and said, "I can just do a look and get this over," and he would pull it off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yes. We've talked about Steve McQueen before, but neither Leon Isaac Kennedy nor Keanu Reeves, (laughs) Steve McQueen, are Steve McQueen. (laughs) don't play Stephen queen games if you're not Steve Queen <laughs> that is our lesson here right. uh Sean Johnson says that this movie shook him from going to the penitentiary <laughs> half dead half dead is a bit he was a bit of, well when you first of a, meet of a cultural villain when you first meet half dead <laughs> yeah 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 it's a great scene like great I said scene. it's part of that first scene where you, yeah yeah the tracker show. Yeah. um but uh, so there we go Alright, but, right. but hey, if you want to check out Penitentiary <laughs> Go right ahead. I guess you have to do that because you said don't see it. Yeah. Alright. <laughs> <laughs> but if you want to go, go ahead. Be my guest. There's two more. There's Penitentiary two and it's Penitentiary Three. Oh, and, and buckle up, folks. <laughs> oh, that's right. We do have two. The two is coming. Because once we get to two <laughs> Now we're in the 80s for real. Yeah, two is coming, ladies. Yes. Coming. But that'll be coming in two weeks. Two weeks, yes. That'll be coming in two weeks. Um, first, we're going to get to my selection on the show yes. Mission. And before we do that, we invite you all to email us all of your thoughts and concerns at show Mission at gmail.com, M I C H E A U X M I S S I O N. And you can visit our website, Michelle Mission, Michel, Two Men, One Podcast, Every Black Film Ever Made, Michelle Mission. Michel dot com where you can hit swag and check out all of the cool designs that we have by way of our good friends at T Public and look for a new design that will be hitting there probably by Thursday because you gave me the quote for our new t-shirt design. <laughs> I saw Miss McKeeba put that in the chats. Like, I need that on a shirt. Your wish is my command. Uh, like and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and subscribe on YouTube at Show Mission, which is a proud member of the podglomerate, thepodglomerate.com. They make podcasts work. Next week on the Show Mission, it is my turn. Yes, it is. To step up. And you know what? I felt like giving us uh, just a little, as much of a taste of summer in a movie as I could think of. So I wanted something a little lighter. Mm -hmm. I wanted something funny. Mm -hmm. I wanted something where the sun is out in the movie. And where men, since you had chose penitentiary, I wanted a film where there are men, Mm -hmm. but they're not sweaty. (laughs) (laughs) These men have their clothes on. On, I was about to say, have specifically shirts on. their shirts on. Yes. And they have to have their shirts on because they don't want to get their shirts dirty, but they're having a good time. But they're not in prison. No, they're in the other place where black men congregate, and that is the barbershop. Hey. From 2002, next week. All right. On the Me Show Mission uh until then uh, ladies and gentlemen uh thank you each and every one of you for staying with us who enjoys our show please if you like our show the best thing you can do for us is just tell a friend tell a friend about the michelle mission real quick vince yes you know there's this super secret project i've been working on that i can't tell anybody about but you know yes and uh i was talking to Devin and I was talking to him and we we're talking about black films mm-hmm. and I was telling him about the the we were talking I forget we were talking about some black film mm-hmm. but I had on our T shirt mm-hmm. as I was doing it and he said like, yo um and I started talking about our movie podcast mm-hmm. and he said wait a minute is that your movie podcast you, on your T shirt I was like yeah the Michelle show mission he said I listened to y'all Ghost Dad review oh hey I, I was like oh man I said well, cool I said did we destroy your childhood too? He's like, nah, 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 nah. I mean, I liked it when I was a kid, but it was trash. Okay. But y'all were hilarious, man. Alright. Y'all were hilarious. I didn't know that was you. Hey, there you go. And I was like, yeah, that's me, dog. He's like, oh, alright, dog. That's what's up. Excellent. You're fired. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. no. In fact, he, um, enjoyed it so much that I've invited him. So probably like sometime in September or All right, October, he's going to come on and do a show with us. Okay. Excellent. So I'm looking forward to that. Alright. Alright. We got to get out of here, ladies and gentlemen. Until, until next week, he's Vince, I'm Len, and in parting we say we'll see you when it's time to meet again.